So, if you get your ass handed to you by the by the Muppet Show that is the uh, Arizona Coyotes, what the hell does that make you? I've seen plenty of embarrassing games over the last couple of years, but I don't think any of them has been worse than this. I mean, if you get completely fisted by the Yotes for a 9-2 loss at home, what in the actual flaming hells are you doing? I mean, that's embarrassing. They're the worst team in the league, aside from us. In that very moment, where we were actually seven goals worse. That's actually... that's brutal. You're not allowed to lose 9-2 at home against the Yotes. The homeless dog team. That does put the finger on something very important, though. We are not as good as we think we are. This team is so reliant on the first line doing anything. And Cider playing to the skill level he has been. If Cider has a down game and the first line is not producing, we can lose 2-9 versus the Oats. That's how fragile this team is. And I know that I, in the previous episode, called for Blashill to be replaced, and it seems a little bit smug to go at it again after a 9-2 loss versus the worst team in the league. But actually, I think he should get the rest of the season, because unless we fall off a cliff completely, there's nothing a new coach could do beside like show or instill some kind of accountability for for the horrible performances we've had uh, lately but come the end of the season it's time for a new voice be it uh, Rickard Grambori I'd applaud that I think it would be really cool at least as an assistant coach but that means also that we need to find a head coach and I'm not entirely sure that there's an established coach that is on the market, that's ready for the Detroit Red Wings right now. Out of the um, the different coaches we tend to regurgitate. So if not Rekat Girambori, then who? Uh, if you want to go with the North American, I guess Lambert, Lane Lambert would be one of them. Uh, there's a couple of others with connections to, uh, to Stevie, but who? Is Igor Larionov really a viable option as the world looks like right now? I'm not sure. I don't know how his connections to the regime is. He seems like a good guy and he's a legend for the club. I mean, Stevie knows him. But being a national team coach for Russia, I have no idea where he stands on the uh, the Putin issue. So what are other European options are there? Um, I have no idea if it's not Rickard Grönborg. You have Roger Rönnberg, who's the coach of Frölunda. Is he ready for the NHL? I don't think so. Not as a head coach, at least. Not yet. But I think he would be if, he, if he's given time. The Finnish um, national team coach Jukka Jalonen could also be uh, uh, an option. But it's the same thing there. Is he ready for it? I think he's more ready than, than uh, Roger Anbaris. 
but he's also a very strict coach. It's his way or the highway, which many of uh, the uh, Finnish national team players have experienced, being put aside for other players that are more inclined to follow his systems. You can't really argue with a man's success. He's won the Olympic Games now in 2022. He has two gold medals in the world championships he has a olympic bronze he has a silver medal he's won the u20s he has such um, a list of accomplishments that it's hard to find a coach in europe and frankly in the world of international hockey that matches him right now so yukayalona would be a very interesting choice but I wouldn't be surprised if if he comes over, he'll be in the Columbus Blue Jackets if they would ever change their coach. And there's plenty of coaches we've talked about on Twitter, back and forth as potential replacements for Blashill. But I have no idea which one would be available if we were to boot Blashill now. So that's why I'm rather seeing a change in the uh, in the off season because whatever we put in now with the interim tag I don't think that does much for the team at all but it has become more and more apparent that the team we do have lacks a lot of punch that secondary uh, second center is getting more and more glaring for every game I've seen recently Pius Suter, yeah, he's good, but he's no 2C in the NHL. I can't see that. The Guelph connection is not a line for for the um, the second line in the NHL. It was great to see Vrana come back. I, I really like that. Awesome that he got himself a goal. It's a pity the, the result was as horrible as it was. But I don't think I've seen a game that we're... we're there there was 60 minutes of not doing one thing right in your own zone. It was defensive breakdown after defensive breakdown. And goalers that were closer to being sieves than actual goalers. I did get another question from Twitter. From Linda. What would I like to see from the SHL incorporated into the NHL? Uh, besides Grian Bori, she says. And Grian Bori is in Switzerland, so that's that's a non-option anyway. So yeah, what would I like? The atmosphere. Uh, watching NHL games, it's uh, kind of dead. Your chanting sucks. It's, um, I don't know, you don't have that culture, I guess. And that sounds like uh, a bit of a bold or or rude statement that you don't have the culture but what i'm referring to is it's uh it's supporter culture and that's a big thing here in europe and uh, as a history teacher i might want to go deeper into that because it all starts in the english football leagues in the 1950s when uh, portsmouth starts singing uh well their fans start singing to the bells uh from the harbor uh, and singing like a chant uh, that matches the bells from the harbor. 
and that spread to uh, other arenas and other fans and uh, in the 1970s we got the uh, the same thing here in Sweden with the fans started chanting with football and that spread to other sports and it, it's kind of a huge part of the supporter identity in Sweden it's like one of the core things with with the European sports well team sports definitely that you cannot like disregard now I, I would love to see more of that in the NHL because um, with the, the humor it's done in for example England where you have had like teams um, taunting each other with singing it's absolutely amazing you have loads of them on on YouTube where you can check it out but I remember watching a game in the Premier League where one set of fans was taunting the the other set with their team was about to get, become relegated and the team that, that were beating them were not far from getting relegated either but they were being cocky and were, were singing like um, going down, going down, going down so the uh, the ones getting the the taunts replied, "So are we, so are we, so are we," and that's the kind of gallows humor that makes the singing and chanting so awesome. And there are naturally other other chants that have been like hilarious over the years, like when uh, I think it was Manchester City was beating one of the lowly teams in the league, and Manchester City is a a billionaire's plaything where oil money from uh, I think it's Dubai uh, have a, a role to play and their fans were taunting the, the lowlier team and they replied like we lose every week we lose every week you're nothing special we lose every week and that's honestly a, a chant where where uh, it would work in the LCA right now right so yeah the chanting is uh, probably the th- Thing culturally I would like to see implemented more in the NHL but it takes a lot of organizing it's not just like let's start singing but I know you you sing along to music I mean you just a small town boy and everybody starts singing but that's singing along to music in in um, in Europe we have um, organized like stands for singing audiences and another thing I would love to see in the NHL compared to the SHL is the the power breaks in the SHL where you go to commercial for I think it's 30 seconds the first whistle after the 10th minute in every period so there's only one commercial break uh, in the um, in every period, whereas in the NHL, every game takes forever, because you have to talk about why did the classic Canadians resort to that? Because it's the cup, and I've seen that so many times. It's boring me to death, and it's like three times a period, and then sometimes during the breaks as well. It's getting NFL level commercials. It's way boring. I know they have to make their money, 
But god damn, it kills the buzz of the game, doesn't it? I did get a question also from Chris Poe uh, about Wing's deadline moves. And right now, I feel like we could have a fire sale and play with the Grand Rapid kids. Anyone besides Raymond Larkin and Cider should be tradable. There's no one besides any of them, not even Bertuzzi, that we shouldn't listen to offers on. And everybody else should be, like, definitely tradable. And if we could move one of them for a second center, I'd love it. So I don't know. I mean, if we could trade Bertuzzi for Turcotte from the Los Angeles Kings, I wouldn't mind. I don't know if they'd do it. I don't know if Stevie would do it. But I think that would be something that would be worth looking into. And then just acquiring picks. I, I know we can't burn it down to the ground. We can't go full Yotes. You should never go full Yotes. And you should never go full Sabres either. But there's somewhere, somewhere in between where we could find like a middle ground where we turn over the guys that we know are not like important for our future and that is pretty much everybody besides those three that I mentioned and I mean would Toronto come swinging for something for Nedeljkovic uh, thinking that he is an improvement on what they have especially when it seems like right now Campbell is injured sure depends on what they give us because I mean Nedeljkovic is not a guy we should be married to. He's good, but is he Vesina good? No, I don't think so. And, well, maybe he can be. He's, what, 25? Sure. But is he the guy till Kosa comes? I don't know. I don't think so. So if someone swings us a, a first-round pick for someone we gave up way less for, sure, go for it. Because, like... The way um, Swayman is playing in in Boston, we could probably trade for Ulmark, for example. One thing is for certain, though, this, that is that after this season, if he's not the adult before the season is over, is that Thomas Grice, uh, the, that experience, is that it has to be over. He's so frustrating to watch. And um, he should thank... Barry Trotz for getting, getting him paid for a couple of more years. So besides being quite a controversial person in itself with all kinds of weird statements and, and having weird marks on his helmet and all kinds of stuff I think um, that story needs to be over the sooner the better. And um, before I go, before I end this episode, I want I want to give um, Winged Wheel Podcast guys a shout out uh, for their inspiration, I guess. Uh, I would like to thank Max Boltman as well for uh, urging me on to start. And that's Max Boltman from The Athletic. And if you haven't subscribed to him, um, he's well worth the money. So go for that. And until next time, see you around.